right, hello, Idiots on Parade, the Too Ugly for TV podcast, bonus podcast. It's Nathan, I'm in a hotel, so you're going to hear background noise, I can hear the people in the room next to me, uh, I'm on a uh, exterior room right on the, the right next to a highway, I can hear cars going by, maybe the microphone will pick it up, I don't know. Um, this week I'm talking about Hollywood, and, uh, and basically I wrote a piece called Hollywood Knows No Secrets, and this is how it goes. Let me tell you a secret about Hollywood. There are no secrets in Hollywood. When everyone said that the actions of Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, and Louis C.K. were the worst-kept open secret in Hollywood, they meant it. It's why, when everything went public, all three were shamed immediately. When the first Kevin Spacey story came out, everyone knew the floodgates were about to open. Netflix cut and run because they knew there would be no covering things up anymore. And likewise with Lewis and Harvey and now Matt Lauer, actually. I lived in Los Angeles for a few years, and I worked on TV and movie sets during that time. On day one, I heard the story of Spacey and Brian Singer fighting over a twink on the set of The Usual Suspects. This was firsthand from someone who witnessed it. I heard plenty of stories during my few years there. I'm not going to name names because that's not the point of this piece. The point is that there is an inherent hypocrisy in releasing statements involving shock or concern after the fact. I mean, because those statements are ass-covering, not honest. A medic on a film told me about a married male A-list movie star who made aggressive sexual advances toward him. The medic wasn't into it, so he complained to the movie's producers. Their response was, uh, okay, we'll look into this. Come see us on payday. So when the medic saw them on payday, they handed him his paycheck and said, open the envelope and make sure everything is okay. He opened the envelope and saw two paychecks, one with the taxes taken out and one straight-up bonus check. That happened for the rest of the production. No one ever said they were paying him off, and no one ever told him to leave the set. The producers wanted him happy, not out raising hell with his union or contacting the tabloids. No words were exchanged, so deniability, no contracts were signed. It was a silent agreement. You get double paychecks, and you keep your mouth shut. Which he did, happily, for a half dozen years before allowing himself to tell it casually with a, another degree of deniability. Again, this was told to me firsthand. This wasn't a rumor or from a friend of a friend whose cousin heard something from his ex-girlfriend's roommate. It was told to me by the man who had the experience, and it was nonchalant. We'd been hanging out for several weeks, shooting the shit about everything and nothing, and it came up. There was no sensationalism in his voice, no regret, no fear. He was just talking. Now, maybe someday that star will be outed. Maybe not. Time will tell. Because of my personal experiences, then, I get slightly annoyed when every story of misconduct is treated like a 10. Compare the stories about Louis, Harvey, Matt, and Kevin to those of Adam Sandler or Al Franken. Adam Sandler put his hand on an actress's knee. Twitter users with no lives went nuts, and the media tried to hit us with headlines about outrage. But Hollywood knew better. Adam wasn't dropped from any films, and the quote-unquote story went away as fast as it arrived. Everyone knew no hidden Adam Sandler stories were about to come out, because he's genuinely a good person. But for one day, his name was dragged through the mud, basically without cause. 
just because everything has to be a story. Likewise with Al Franken. After the hit piece by a Hannity supporter, the women on Al's staff issued a statement of support. Following that, the women of Saturday Night Live issued a statement of support. It said, paraphrasing, We know Al well. We've worked in close contact with him, and he is not a bad person. Yes, he just made a dumb mistake with that stupid, stupid photo, but he's not a bad person. Unfortunately, such actions doesn't stop the media from trying to get clicks. The media searched for tweets from the ten dumbest people they could find and used them to manufacture outrage. Sure, people that know Al Franken say he's a good person, but these people who have never met Al Franken say he's worse than Hitler. I have a female friend who took a picture with Al Franken. It was at the Minnesota State Fair while he was campaigning. She said he pulled her in tightly and grinned like an idiot. She described the moment as odd and uncomfortable, but not inappropriate, which is the problem with taking every accusatory tweet at face value. Inappropriate is different for different people. To some, uncomfortable immediately becomes inappropriate. I know because I've been there. In the 1990s, my college roommate Roy was getting married. He invited me and our fellow college friend Barrett to the wedding. I flew to New York City, hooked up with Barrett, and the two of us drove down to West Virginia for Roy's wedding. Because of our schedule, we were told that upon driving into town to go immediately to the haberdashery and get fitted for our tuxedos. Don't go to the hotel. Don't stop off and say, hi, we're here. Go get fitted, which we did. When we got to the tailor, we were given our tuxedos and steered toward dressing rooms. I went into mine, put on my clothes, and discovered they didn't fit. If I didn't continually hold them up, my pants would fall down around about an inch and the band of my underpants would show. So I shuffled into the showroom where Barrett was being measured and pinned. His tux needed taken in as well. The tailor looked up from Barrett and asked me, how do they fit? And I responded, ah, they're too big around the waist. And I let go of the pants, exposing again the band of my underpants. That's all I remember of that moment. Literally, that's all I remember. So it was to my surprise, after getting sent on our way, I walked into Roy's workplace, we drove over there after the tailors, and I walked in to announce my arrival like, Roy, we're here. And Roy looked at me and said, well, you make a hell of a first impression. I was confused. The hell was he talking about? I'd been in town all of 15 minutes. Roy stated flatly, my dad was in the tuxedo shop. Well, that statement didn't mean anything to Barrett or me, other than realizing it was odd Roy's dad hadn't introduced himself, a little like, oh, hey, you guys are in my son's wedding, nice to meet you, or something like that. Well, it turns out Roy's dad had left the tuxedo store and made his way to Roy's workplace before Barrett and I. And according to him, I had been running around the store with my dick out. Let me repeat that. Roy's dad was in the tuxedo place. And he left there, went to Roy's workplace, and told Roy I had basically gotten naked and flipped my cock out in the tuxedo store. So, what happened was I had walked out of the dressing room and showed that my pants didn't fit, that they dropped an inch at most and exposed my underpants band, and somehow that translated into me flashing everyone. I was confused, Barrett was confused, literally, what the fuck is he talking about, confused? I mean, not only by the fact that he hadn't said, hi, I'm Roy's dad, but we both wondered what kind of person exaggerates like that, 
And what was the point of lying? But that's the thing. In his mind, Roy's dad wasn't lying. He saw what he wanted to see, truth be damned. Turns out he was a fire and brimstone Baptist minister, and his view of the world was a bit uh, skewed, to say the least. So to him, me exposing an inch of underpants was similar to me taking my dick out. Just like to some, Al Franken putting an arm around a waist and pulling someone in tight could suddenly be seen as groping. Which is why there are two or three stories about Al Franken, and a thousand tales of Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, Matt Lauer, and Louis C.K. Most people know the difference between assault and uncomfortable. But it's the media's job to elevate everything to a fever pitch, to stoke the fires of outrage. Unfortunately, that's a job they do remarkably well.